Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me this week, as always, is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. <clears throat> My, I might sound a little off. I just had uh, gallbladder surgery a couple days ago. Um, and they stick a breathing tube down your throat, so my throat feels like I have something in it, um, which apparently is the uh, the way you're supposed to feel. It's kind of a sore throat, but it's more irritating than a sore throat. It doesn't hurt as much as it just irritates, and I can hear in my voice um, that I don't quite sound like myself. But nevertheless, we will power through. Um, Corey, how you doing? I'm doing okay. Besides <laughs> that, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm actually surprisingly pretty good. Uh, I mean, I'm in a little bit of pain, but for the most part, I, I've been, uh, you know, it, the surgery was fine, but my gallbladder was worse than they thought, so it took a little longer than they thought, um, which is why my throat's as irritated as it is, because I was under longer than I was supposed to be. And, um, you know, they, they did keep me in the hospital, so I got to... Uh, I, I I was supposed to be outpatient, and I was a little nervous about coming straight home after surgery and anesthesia and all that. So I'm kind of happy that it, it worked out that way and um, that I got to rest at the hospital because I basically was in and out of sleep that whole night. And um, the hospital bed, definitely a little easier to sleep um, with my incisions and whatnot. So, and... Uh, even taking pain medicine because they just injected me with pain medicine and they also gave me like an anti-nausea medicine. Um, so it kind of worked out, I think, for the better that I had to stay overnight, even though um, Kathy doesn't like me being gone all night and I, I don't really like being away from home, but it, I think it worked out. On the other hand, um, I, I've not got to go see War of the Planet of the Apes yet um, because it came out on Thursday. I did get to see a ghost story, though, on Wednesday night as uh, part of a critic screening. Um, and I got to say, uh, I don't think everyone's going to like it. Um, I think film lovers are going to love it for the most part. So you think I'll like it? I hope so. Um, I don't think it's a movie that I generally would have expected myself to like having seen it now. Um, it's very quiet. I would say the director kind of doesn't follow standard practices of filmmaking in some cases um and, and it's w with a purpose although the other critics at my screening did not seem to appreciate his choices um one even fell asleep <laughs> uh, i've been only to like four or five critic screenings and i don't i'm not making fun of the guy i can totally see it is a very quiet movie and it's very slow as far as there's there's zero action there's hardly any dialogue um, it's very contemplative and it would be easy to fall asleep if you weren't captivated. Um, so in no way am I trying to insult the critic who fell asleep. It is the first time I've seen a critic fall asleep at a movie, but again, of the screenings that I've seen, this is definitely the quietest of the films that I've gone to. But, um, being sick, I also watched, I've, I think I watched five movies today. Um, Holy heck! You know, I pretty much woke up and just started watching movies. Um, nothing, like, the only one that I watched that was on my list of things I needed to watch was XX, um, which is what we're going to be talking about today on our episode a little later on. But I also watched um, Bad Moms, which I found to be pretty funny, actually, and I think Mila Kunis' best performance um, since Forgetting Sarah Marshall. 
and uh, I watched No Escape, which is an Owen Wilson and Lake Bell movie that um, our mutual friend Brendan had said was uh, better than expected. And I got it. It was. I kind of wish I hadn't watched it because it, I'm kind of, you know, when you're you're stuck at home and you really can't do anything, you kind of feel on, like stressed out, anyways. And that movie, I think, made me feel more stressed out. <laughs> Oh, no. It's very, very tense um, and keeps you on the edge of your seat for the most part. Um, and it, I kind of was like, by the end, I was like, man, I really shouldn't have watched this today, which is why I ended up watching Bad Moms because I needed a I needed a lighthearted kind of thing. Also, um, I didn't count it because I didn't watch the whole movie, but I did watch like the end of Shaun of the Dead. Really, I watched like three quarters of Shaun of the Dead. It was on Showtime or something, and I just was like, ooh, Shaun of the Dead. Um, yeah. And I watched... A movie that Mike recommended on Facebook, not to me specifically, but just in general, uh, Shaolin Soccer. That movie is, uh, like, it's a kung fu soccer movie. And it's done like the old school kung fu movies. Everything's a little over the top. You know, the um, the action sequences are, are a lot of CG and stuff. And it's it's from 2001, but it's it's pretty funny. I have to admit, I, I when I first started, I didn't think I was going to get into it. But by the end, I kind of enjoyed it, so... Um, but definitely a lighthearted affair. And then I watched part of Jason Bourne, um, the newest Bourne movie, and I, I was not interested. And again, I don't think my head's in the place where I really want like a, a stressful, you know, like action, thr- suspense, military thriller. I don't know how to describe that movie, especially right now. My brain is definitely Lots of pythons. yeah. <laughs> it was it was a lot of stuff where I'm just like Ugh, too many too many plot devices, oh, and no. I don't care. Um, and I'm not that big of a fan of the other ones. Like, I like the action sequences, but I'm not, like, I don't know all the ins and outs of the Bourne franchise. Although I've seen them all. I don't know them. Like, if you asked me to break down the plot for each movie, I could not do that. So, <laughs> all right. We're going to do something new um, starting today. Uh, usually we do trailer talk, and I'm, I'm getting tired of watching trailers again. I can appreciate that. They they just they show too much, uh, and it's getting it's getting frustrating. Um, in fact, I'm some of the trailers too. I've seen so many times. By the time we do trailer talk, it feels like torture to have to watch it a twentieth <laughs> time or twenty fifth. And uh, next week in general, actually, one of the movies coming out, I've seen the trailer every week for at least six months, I think, and I'm I'm ready for it to come out just so I can stop seeing it. But we'll get to that in a minute. What we're gonna do from now on is we're just gonna um kind of go over what's coming out on DVD and Blu-ray or uh, VOD um, next week, and then what's coming out in theaters. We're just going to talk about it. If Corey's never heard of it, I will kind of break it down. If she's seen it or has heard of it, she can add to it from there. Um, But let's go through uh, first, coming out on July 18th, because that's Tuesday is new movie day for home video uh, most of the time. I need to complain for a second. Yes. I'm sorry. Um, No, no. I don't know if you know this or not, but a while ago, maybe at the beginning of this year, um, I'm really bad at time, whatever, but um, they decided, the music industry, to make music releases on Friday now because, like, in Britain, like, you know, not in America, they come out on the Friday before, and they feel like it affects the sales in America because then everyone's pirating it. And if you, like, listen to independent music stores, they think that that kills their business um, because it ends up coming out the Friday after, I believe. I'm not really sure. But um, 
yeah, it's just really weird. They change it from Tuesdays to Fridays. I, you know, have talked to people that work at independent music stores, uh, just my local record store, and they say, believe that it hurts their business. And uh, so if they could just, like, sync up movies and, like, music again to make it easy so I don't have to have, like, on Tuesdays and on Fridays, things coming up in my calendar and having to, like, hmm. you know, sometimes run on different days to get different things. I, I actually didn't. I haven't bought music in a long time, so I didn't realize. Okay. Um, I didn't realize they'd switched, but that's, yeah, if you had asked me, I would have said Tuesday because that's what it always was. Um, yeah. And video games are Thursdays, and uh, normally, I think. Now I feel like I might be wrong. Again, my brain's not 100%. I am slightly medicated at the moment, so... Um, we won't hold yeah. it against But <laughs> staying on top, movies have not changed. Movies come out on Tuesdays, yeah. um, and we're going to get into what's coming out. I'm just going to list all four of the the bigger names. There's a couple of small things that I didn't know, and I wasn't willing to go digging right now. In the future, I might dig a little more, but um, Free Fire from A24 comes out on Blu-ray DVD. <laughs> um, Buster's Malhart, which isn't a big movie, but it was one that was at the film festival that I ended up not seeing. Um, and oh. so one I want to check out. And it stars Rami Malek, who's from Mr. Robot and uh, the Night at the Museum trilogy. Um, uh, Kong Skull Island, which I loved and is coming out on Blu-ray DVD. And a movie that I don't think anybody saw, and I can't believe it's already coming out on Blu-ray DVD, is The Promise with, uh, I believe it's Christian Bale, um, and uh, Oscar Isaac, and then a female who I don't remember her name. Um, it was like a, uh, during the Czech War, I think. I might be wrong on the, the location of the war, but it was a war movie. Mainly a romance. It did not do well in theaters, and apparently it's already coming out on Blu-ray. Um, you did get to see Free Fire, didn't you? Yes. And I, um, you know... I was really happy at the way it ended because <laughs> I'm not going to spoil it, but it was really fun in the theaters and you guys know I love Killian. So I had a fun time. I love like period pieces. Um, I love to see what they do with like costumes and music and things like that. So mm, yeah. yeah, I enjoyed it. And Brie Larson's also in that Ben, um, Ben, oh, it's not Foster. Ben, uh, I'm not going to remember his name. It might not even be Ben. It's the Jack. It's Jack something. He is in Sing Street. My brain again. I'm just gonna move on. Um, Kong Skull Island. I highly recommend checking out if you didn't see it in theaters. That is a 100% fun summer movie. Um, you can red box that or get it digital. I I say it's a blind buy. Um, if you like monster movies at all, and I mean like big monster movies, not like scary horror monster movies, but like Godzilla. Um, if you like any of the old Kong movies, I definitely think it's a lot of fun. Um, and if you were a fan of the uh, 2014 Godzilla, I, I say Kong Skull Island is a must-see, because if you're not aware, they are going to be in a monster universe with each other. Um, so it's something you're going to need to see if you want to see the next Godzilla film. So um, those are the upcoming DVD Blu-ray releases. Uh, let's get to the big one, because next week, theatrical, we have three, well, two big movies and one summer comedy that might do well. Um, we'll start with the comedy. We have Girls Trip coming out next Friday. That is the uh, Jada Pinkett Smith, Queen Latifah. Um, I am going to not remember the other two girls' names, even though I know both of them. Um, it is essentially very similar. Uh, it's not truly similar to Rough Night, other than it's a group of girls going on a trip. Um, there's no murder, to my knowledge, in this movie. 
But um, Regina Hall, who is very talented, and Tiffany um, Haddish, who is a very funny comedian. I believe she's a stand-up. I, I know she's been on a few of my the podcasts I listen to, um, but she was on the Carmichael Show, and she is uh, High C in Keanu with Key and uh, Peel. And the movie looks dumb funny. Um, I'm not super excited about it, but uh, it's actually got a really positive meta score right now with five critic reviews. It's sitting at a 78, which is way higher than Rough Night. I think Rough Night had a 52. So um, apparently Girl Strip is doing pretty well, at least with the five critics who've seen it so far. Do you have any interest in that one, Corey? Not at all. I feel like a horrible person, but no. Um, then we have uh, Valerian and the uh, City of a Thousand Planets. Is that right? Am I back? Yeah, that's right. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Ooh, the Metacritic score has gone down. Um, uh, it's, sitting, we... it's sitting at a 51 right now with uh, 16 critics, um, which is still not horrible. It's better than some of the other summer blockbusters. Um, stars Dane DeHaan, Cara Delevingne, Clive Owen, who I did not know was in this movie. Um Rihanna, Ethan Hawke is in this movie. I did not know that. Uh, John Goodman's a voice. Rucker Hauer. Quite a few um, bigger name people showing up in this. And then it's directed by um, Luke Besson, who Fifth Element, uh, Leon the Professional, and something else that was successful that I'm not remembering at the moment. But, um, you know, it looks interesting. It looks visually very stunning. Um, I think that might be avatar-esque it might be relying solely on its appearance um to be good and that could be why its critic score is not staying very high but uh cory what are your thoughts i really like dane dehan i don't think he's the best actor in the history of the world sorry um but i'm nervous about this movie and you and i have already talked about this i think with mike too it, it seems very desperate some of the like posts that are kind of being thrown around in support of this movie. I can totally understand being like super hyped about working with a certain director or whatever, but I feel like it's almost teetering on the brink of begging for people to go see your movie. And that's, yeah, definitely um, one of the things that I notice about it. It is trying very hard to make sure we don't forget that it's coming out. Um, I have seen the trailer for that movie so many times um, and so many different cuts of the trailer, too. Not to mention the uh, Regal Cinemas has the special where, like, one of the actors, whether it's Dale DeHaan or Cara DeLevingne, will, like, beg you to come to the movie. They're like, hey, come see our movie. I'm like, hey, it's not a good sign. (laughs) No, agreed. But I do like that they – are you talking about the clips, too, that ask them to, like, ask you to donate to, like, the Stars of Hope and, like, the difference? Yeah, yeah, that's what Um, I'm talking about. Which I appreciated that. Please, let's give, you know. Oh, yeah, true. I, wanna... I got to say, though, I, I've had one issue with the Stars of Hope um, over the last year. Mm-hmm. And that's because I have the movie pass. And so when I buy a ticket, I can't donate a dollar on that credit card. Because it's not a real credit card. It just buys me my movie ticket. So I always have to uh... say no. And I feel really bad. Because I would gladly give the dollar every time I go, which I go at least once, if not two to three times a week to the, the theater. Um, I would still buy one each time, but I can't. Bill does. Like, yeah. when we go to the movies, Bill always does. And I also didn't know all the different organizations that they yeah, work with. they work with a so lot. So that, 
yeah, that was awesome because I like kind of hearing those names and other things that I, you know, like St. Jude's and things like that. Well, and see, well, bump, and if I had cash, I would even offer to pay like here's a dollar, but I don't use cash. I hardly mm-hmm. ever have cash. And so Same. when I go inside, and I, I don't usually get concessions, not just because they cost a lot, but because they're they're bad for you. Like eating a tub of popcorn is not okay. But it's so delicious. It is so delicious. <laughs> I, I, but um, they don't always I know, I totally ask agree. about the Stars of Hope inside. And so I'm always like, man, if you would, if you ask me now, I will gladly say yes. And, you know, and I don't know. I always feel like I think the movie pass needs to include some kind of like charitable donation thing or something. <laughs> That's um, a good point. But, all right, that's um, Valerian we're both on the fence about, um, and it's competing with a movie that I think we're both super hyped about, which is <laughs> I Dunkirk. Want to buy my tickets in advance? Bill even sounds excited about it. <laughs> well, looking at IMDb, there, it doesn't show a, Medic, a Metacritic score yet, but it's sitting at a 9.7 out of 10 user Ooh. score, user score which, which has 2,000 reviews already. Um, Dang. Yeah, so that's pretty positive. Um, Allied soldiers from Belgium, the British Empire, Canada, and France are surrounded by the German army and evacuated during a fierce battle in World War II is the plot summary on IMDb. Um, stars, this is how it's billed, um, Fionn Whitehead, Kenneth Branagh, Mark Rylance. I like him a uh, lot. I like Mark Rylance quite a bit. Um, Damien Bernard. There's a bunch of names I don't know. I'm not going to read all of these. Um, you got Tom Hardy, um, Sil- uh, Killian Murphy, and the big curveball is um, Harry Styles, I think. From and did you? <laughs> um, he's from One Direction. Yeah. But I just read something recently. I don't know if we've already talked about this, but that Christopher Nolan didn't know that Harry Styles was already like famous and part of One Direction. We have not talked about it, but I read I read the Uh-oh. headline of that article, and I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> Um, and the article, though, posed the question, is is this going to be um, his next, who did they compare it to? Someone else that he cast that does really well now. I can't even think of who it was. Um, but, like, is this, is he going to make this guy famous, essentially? Like, more famous. Obviously, he's famous as Harry Styles from One Direction, but is he going to become, like, a legit actor because of this movie? And it sounds like his performance is really good. Um I love that this is a war movie that is only an hour and 46 minutes long. Yes. Um, And more so, I love that this is a Nolan movie that's only an hour and 46 (laughs) minutes long. Um, I knew that was coming. (laughs) Now, I love Interstellar. Super long movie. I love Love it. I enjoyed Inception. I've I've only watched Inception, I think, from beginning to end once. Um, I've seen clips from it dozens of times because I can't get over some of the scenes and how he shot them. Um but I don't remember how long. I feel like that was kind of long. I know Dark Knight Rises was really long, and Dark Knight's long. Um, I think it's two hours and twenty eight minutes. There you go. Uh, and Prestige is definitely in the longer, at least two hours. Um, so it's funny that he's made a what looks like a war epic under two hours, and it seems to be getting really great reviews. I am a Nolan fan. There's a lot of people who hate on Nolan, um, especially within the critic critical community. Um, because, his, well, his movies are generally mainstream. Uh, they're well received by the, the the general audience. He does get. You got to give some like he gets a little overpraised. Like Dark Knight Rises has a lot of problems, and yet it did really really well. Um, 
I love Interstellar. I, I don't care what people want to complain. I think I think most complaints from that movie come primarily from religious beliefs being questioned um, and making people feel uncomfortable as a result. And not everyone wants to feel uncomfortable when they watch a blockbuster. You know, you want to you want to just kind of enjoy the moment, not start doubting what you've believed your whole life. Or even if you don't doubt it, some people who don't like to hear contrarian beliefs um, to their own, you know, it makes them uncomfortable. Um, and I think that's, I think that movie really, really pushed those boundaries. Um, but yeah, I, I'm excited about Dunkirk. I'm, cu- I'm most curious because I don't know, like, I'm, I'm wanting to see what this, is it a straightforward story about the events of Dunkirk or does he have a deeper meaning? Is there going to be some type of twist to it? Um, you know, he's not M. Night Shyamalan, but he does often have profound elements within his film so i'm curious to see if that's going to be something in this movie all right um (laughs) went went completely silent on me there Corey. no i'm sorry i'm just hoping a that this comes to my theater in imax because i've already complained about that recently too that i think that they are not getting the right movies in imax um and they're shifting movies that would do much better into small theaters, which I don't think that's going to be the case with Dunkirk. But this is one that I would actually, because for my IMAX theater, I can pre uh, like pick my seats ahead of time if I buy buy the tickets. So I I hate sold out theaters, but I think that this is one that I would actually maybe like. You definitely go want to. I, um... for the our mutual friend Brendan bought four tickets um, for the IMAX, the the good IMAX, and I'm sorry, he bought six tickets, and four were already like spoken for. But he's got one for me. I'm hoping I am better uh, enough that I can drive to Orlando. But my recovery is only supposed to be a week, and it's exactly a week after my surgery, so I should be good. But I am, you know, I'm kind of I'm apprehensive. I don't want to I don't want to push myself too hard. But yeah, Dunkirk comes out on the 18th with Valerian, the the City of a Thousand Planets, and Girl, Girl Trip. Uh, Corey and I are focused on Dunkirk. I'm going to hopefully see all three, um, and I also hope to see War of the Planet of the Apes before Dunkirk comes out um, so I can uh, finish that trilogy, because I'm a big fan of those other two films, and I really want to see the third one. It just so happened to uh, coincide with my surgery. So, um, All right. I, you know what, Corey? I just realized I didn't ask if you've seen anything lately because I was blabbering on about all my <laughs> movies. But I also so self, <laughs> well, no, I, so self-centered. I can't talk. I kind of assumed you haven't seen anything though. So I feel like everyone needs to know that I've, I'm almost done with season six of Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, I checked I was, out of Game of Thrones after season five. I'm just I'm no, done. No. I'm done with Walking Dead too, though. House Stark, no. Is there anybody left in House Dark? They keep killing. Yes. Stark. <laughs> H. I can't really talk about things, but I feel like if you and I were both like swearing off Game of Thrones after season five, after a particular event happened, that you should rethink that because I I, yes. know, I know a little bit of season six. It's hard not to, and like there's trailers for season seven coming out, and I, I don't know. I just it's just like it just feels like they're stretching it out way too long, like. Winter has been coming for seven seasons. Kind of done waiting. Um, you know, it's just... And that's Walking Dead, too. Like, I love the comic. I read through issue 120-something. <coughs> and then I stopped reading the book. And 
Um, now I've stopped watching the show, but mainly because they had those people that made up their own language for some reason, and it got dumb. So, um, oh. yeah, it was really dumb. But I, um, yeah, I'm just, I, I don't know. And I'm, I've watched a couple of TV things. In fact, I just finished Riverdale um, that my daughter and my wife definitely kind of made me watch. Um, they guilt tripped me oh. a little bit the other day. Um, oh, I feel like I need to hear this. How could they guilt trip you? Well, watch I came now? home. I think from a ghost story. I'm pretty sure I came okay. home from a ghost story. And they had just finished episode one. Now, they'd already watched the whole season before. And they had episode one just ended. And I came into the house. I'm like, hey, guys, blah, blah, blah. I got, I got a drink. And I started to come into uh, the room that has all my games and stuff in it, thinking because they were watching a show. And they're like, wait, where are you going? I'm like, I was going to go play games. And they're oh. like well, aren't you going to watch Riverdale? I was like, well, no, you just watched the first episode. I'm not going to come in on, a, like, the second episode. And they they kind of made me feel bad. So I started, <laughs> I, I watched the whole season except for episode one. Didn't see episode one. Um, <laughs> but uh, they told me what happened enough, and I was I was content with that. Um, I don't really feel the need to go back and watch episode one. Um, I have to say, the show is very high school teenage drama. So at times it gets a little like, oh my god, please stop being high school kids, um, you know, like like getting mad and not explaining themselves, rather you know just storming off that kind of thing. Um, very common, you know, cliche in, in high school dramas and movies. <laughs> it's a CW show, so it has that CW feel, which is why eventually Arrow and Flash wore me down, where I just stopped caring about those shows because it was just so much of the same drama every week, and. Um, if you're not familiar, Riverdale is based on the Archie comics characters, but not necessarily any of the comics. It's a darker, um, more, like, modernized version of the character, so they are not going to be, like, goody two-shoes and stuff in the in the old-school way. Um, but they still go by the same name, so, like, there's Jughead and uh, um, Veronica and Betty and, uh, you know, Josie and the Pussycats are in there. Um <coughs> Uh, you got some big names, Luke Perry, uh, Skeet Ulrich, Molly Ringwall all show up. And, um, in fact, Jughead is played by one of the, uh, the twins from Sweet Life with Zack and Cody, and they were the original twins. Well, they were playing just one kid, but, um, they were on Big Daddy. Uh, Dylan and Cole, something Sprouse. I forgot the other name, but... And normally I would say they're not that good of actors, but I, uh, whichever one's in this movie or show does a really good job. Um, and uh, it's an entertaining and there's a mystery to it. Uh, I won't say what happens, but in episode one, there's a murder and the whole season is set up on trying to solve said murder. Um, so there's even like a Scooby-Doo type vibe, which they, they make some meta jokes. And there's a lot of funny references um, in the show as well, uh, you know, pop cultural references that are entertaining. Okay. And they made Jughead a big movie buff, so he he. There's some cool movie references for movie nerds, so that did get me. Um, I was like, "Ooh, I know that! I know what that is! I know that!" Um, but yeah, it's it's very well shot, though it looks great, um, and it it's an interesting uh, story for sure. CW's been pretty spot on though. Um, every show they've put out, to my memory, seems to be doing pretty well. Um, you know, obviously the superhero shows are doing very well. They had uh, Supernaturals on like season thirteen or something like that. So I mean, they've been they've been killing it. But all right, um, 
Corey's finishing Game of Thrones Season 6. She did finish uh, Silicon Valley Season 1, which I hope you're going to go to the rest <coughs> at some point because it is a very funny show. Eventually, yes. Wait, I got. we can't go into detail because it's a very dark, dirty joke, but uh, how funny did you find the joke about um, if Richard had to do something to every man in the room? And they go very uh, scientific, figuring out how he could best achieve that goal. Uh, uh, Why am I forgetting this? Um, oh, wow. I can't. Oh, when he was having to go back and kind of grovel after. No, okay. I can't talk about it on the air. So we'll have to talk okay, about fine. it. Because um, okay. it, it, it's very dirty. And well, technically, we could talk about it. I have students who listen to this sometimes, so not going to. But. <coughs> All right. Let's get into our review for XX. Um, this week we watched a uh, XX on Netflix. Um, it is a, you can buy it. It's not a Netflix original, but it is on Netflix. It is four short horror films that are directed and written by women. That is the IMDb plot summary. It has a 64 Metascore out of only 15 reviews, and 4.7 out of 10 from user reviews. Um, we have four directors: uh, Roxanne Benjamin. Sorry. Roxanne Benjamin, Karen Kusama, St. Vincent, and uh, she's actually listed as Annie Clark on the movie, and Jovanka Vokovic. Um, I'm not 100% sure who directed which short. I know um, that Annie, is that her name? Am I, I already yeah. forgot. She did the second one, um, which was birthday titled cake. Birthday Party, I thought. Oh, Birthday Party. Sorry. Yeah, it is Birthday Party. They have it listed wrong on IMDb. Oh, Caught it. Um, so let's. We're. I guess we can just go short by short. There's four shorts. We'll go to each one, and uh, yeah. talk about them. Now there is a cohesive like, like it was sub. Like well, there's like a sub short, right? Like that kind of ties in like how we introduce each story. It's like this weird dollhouse thing, um, moving through like another like haunted house type thing. I don't know. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I um, kind of like I, that, like, claymation intro kind of segment segue. Um, yeah. I, I thought it was creepy, um, but I kind of also felt like it didn't really have anything <clears throat> to do with me. I'm not trying to interrupt you. My throat is like... I oh, no, you're okay. fine. Sorry if no. you have to hear that audience. My throat is driving me nuts, and I can't get enough fluid. But um, I guess before we get into each thing overall... Let's do a, uh, kind of our thoughts on the overall thing, and then we'll get into spoilers and going into each of the uh, the four shorts, because there's not going to be a lot of room to talk about these without spoiling, because they are shorts. They're, each one ends pretty quickly. Um, the whole movie's only an hour and 20 minutes or something like that. So <coughs> um, what was your overall take on the uh, XX anthology? So my life goal when we do this is to like put it down to one word, and I'm going to... Um, lackluster. Ooh, lackluster, huh? Um, yeah. I would say, I'm not going to do one word, but uh, I would say well-made, um, mm -hmm. predominantly well-acted, mm -hmm. but really, really weak storytelling. Uh, agreed. Um, a, like, super weak storytelling. Almost almost superficial storytelling. Um, and I, I think that's bad um it could have 
people would might argue, well, it's a short film. They don't have a lot of time. But like, I've seen plenty of short films that can tell a pretty and, pro- powerful story. And I am a lover of like short films. I'm a, like of you guys know I freaking love anthologies. I love short stories. Uh, as far as like books go, it is an art form though, and I think that it can be hard to do because it is short. Like yeah, you, there's definitely. not a lot of work to work, not a lot of room to work within. But I, I don't feel like that's an excuse. Um, no, I, I agree. Um, I would say of the four, the best stories were the first and last, the box and um, the only living, her only living son. I think mm-hmm. those have more story oriented. Um, the second one, the Annie Clark one, um, the birthday party is. I, I think the story is there. I just don't understand what the point of the story is necessarily. Um, like, I mean, I, I don't know if that's if I'm articulating it right, but it feels like it feels like they could have given us more of a, a motivation for what the character does in the uh, the short. Um, and then the third one, which was the only one that really felt traditional horror, like monster horror. Um, I felt like could have been just adding some motivation somewhere could have made it so much better than it was. And that was my least favorite one. Yeah. I feel like first, can I go ahead and do spoiler warning? Yeah, let's do the spoiler warning. Let's get into this. Okay. Um, guys, we're probably going to spoil this movie for you. If you want to check it out first, you can go rent it, buy it, or just watch it on Netflix. Like we've already mentioned, we will be talking about this in great detail. If you don't mind spoilers, we'll see you ahead. All right, so let's talk about the box, uh, the first one, which I I think sets the tone, um, like it it sets the bar really high, I think by comparison to what we get, um, like, it, it I don't think it would have set the bar really high if I if I didn't watch the rest of it, but it is I think the strongest of all of them, but it's still lacking a few things. I I loved um so many of the visual elements of this um. Like, the, oh my gosh, their meals, how, like, they have everything laid out, and um, it still seems, some like, kind of symmetrical. It's very balanced, the way they show you um, different scenes. I really enjoyed that, but they're, I just don't, I don't know. Well, it, it starts with the kids seeing, um, asking, being obnoxious on the subway. Asking to see inside of a present that uh, some other passenger has. <laughs> with a gimpy eye. And what does that tell you? Not to harass people with gimpy eyes. <laughs> well, Sorry. so he's, he's allowed to see in the box. His face immediately turns stoic. And he doesn't say anything. He doesn't cry. The guy leaves the subway. And then the kid won't eat. Now, this is where I take first issue with the movie. Um, we get title cards for each day. Monday. Tuesday. Wednesday. But for the first three or four days, when we see the when we first see the family, it's basically at dinner, mm-hmm. and each day they're eating something different, which is completely a hundred percent believable. So to my point, do we need the title cards? Do we need to know it's Word. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? If you're seeing people wearing different clothes, sitting at the same dinner table with different food, like we get it, a day has passed. You know, now when it jumps ahead several, t- several, you know, weeks or whatever, I think it was like 18 weeks or something like that. 
okay, title card makes sense. We need to, to know that a lot of time has passed. Now, there's better ways to do it, but for a short film, a title card works. But when it's a short film and you're taking a few seconds of your screen time to, say, Monday or Tuesday, and it's not on the bottom of the screen or something, it is a black title card. <laughs> it is, uh, I think, a waste of time. And uh, also, mm. like, not believing your audience can figure it out. Yeah, and the visual uh, storytelling is there to make it easy for the audience. It's it's very clear that time has passed. Like I was never, yeah, yeah. it was a a routine, an established moment, and um for for the first several changes, it's only one day, and it's like a dinner, cha a new dinner, tells me that. That's all I need to see. I um so for this one, I'm. Uh, why do they never tell the mom? Because. It, like, they're obviously, the boy tells his sister, and then she also stops oh, I'm losing stops eating in the box. I lost oh, it for a second. can you I'm, hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. It faded out for a couple oh, seconds. Okay. Okay. Um, so, <laughs> the boy sees what's in the box or what's not in the box. He won't tell his mom for some reason. But then she happens upon him telling his sister you know, before they go to bed, and they still won't tell her, and then the sister stops eating. And then the sister tells the dad, but they they still won't tell the mom. And now the dad stops eating. And also, why is this mother not concerned that her child hasn't eaten in, like, two or three days? She seems, like, so not faced. Well, I have a few questions um, to go with what you just asked. Yes. One, why does the boy wait, like, two or three days before he tells the sister? Like, there's no rhyme or reason as to what finally makes him tell her. Um, and then the dad getting mad. Um, like, there's some relatable things. Like, him getting mad that the son won't eat. I've been there. Um, especially when it's concerned. And now his concern was heightened because it had been, like, three or four days. Um, I was really excited to see the Night of the Living Dead clip. Uh, yeah. That they were sitting down as a family to watch it. Which is, you know, questionable because they're... I don't know how old the kid is, but he doesn't look very <laughs> old. But um, um, we do get the weird dream sequence after yes. the dad stops uh, eating too, where he, they're carving her up um, as, and it's really gross, and it's probably the best special effect in the whole thing. Um, yeah, they're just cutting out her head, like <laughs> her leg. And if it had ended there, well, I wouldn't have quite understood. At least it would have felt like, okay, well, now there's a rhyme or reason as to why only the three of them ever learned what happened. Because you need somebody to eat, right? There's four of them. You need one. One has to get eight. So you tell only three of the people, and then you can eat the fourth. Um, okay, but that's not it. It was a dream sequence, which, one, no reason to have a dream sequence at all. It makes it, almost no, no sense. Mm. Again, cool visual, but it doesn't add when you have a short amount of time to tell your story tell the one story we don't have time for misleading you know red herrings um the kids die uh so does the husband um i don't know if there's any significance but we get january 17th february 3rd and february 27th are the dates of the three that die um i don't know if there's any significance to those dates um there's not there does there's no similarity between the distance between them so but they they felt the need to tell us the dates, so. <clears throat> um, and the mom, we were left with the mom searching the subway, basically, for the guy with the red box. Um, 
Huh. Yeah. And she, the last words we hear her say is, I'm hungry. Um, but not, I don't believe she meant for food, I think for answers. She's hungry for revenge. She's hungry for um, closure, is what I took that to be. Um, an interesting kind of conclusion. Uh, the red box that her son went to give her on Christmas that she never opened. And that really bothered me because it was an identical red box. So I was like, did he get the box? Is this <laughs> her time to learn? But she never opens it, so she never learns it. Or is it? are we supposed to take that she did finally open it and that's why she's hungry? Like, I don't know. There's a lot of stuff left. Um, well, I don't think that that's why she was hungry because they mm -hmm. did... Um, they started with the makeup making them look very gaunt mm -hmm. um kind of right away and we never got that with her no, so no. i'm not yeah i don't think that was the case either yeah. but uh you know i'm just i don't feel like it was very clear no and I, well i i won't deny i'm aggravated to not know what they saw i totally get why we don't know one probably whatever they could have come up with wouldn't be it wouldn't feel like it was enough for us because whatever we can imagine, in fact, I can't imagine what, what would cause someone to stop eating um, in such a way. Like, not just, like, lose their appetite, but, like, not eat again until they die. And there's probably yeah. no good answer for that, right? So it's better yeah. to not know. But I still would like, you know, some explanations as to why. Like, like you said, why does the boy tell the sister and the dad but not the mom? Or And why... I mean, I know that kid was, uh, you know, annoying and rude, but still, what would make that man want to show that boy? You know what I mean? Yeah. How did he... So we just had some technical difficulties, but that's basically our review of the box. Um, that part, the first short film, we had some issues with it. Um, it's interesting, but definitely missed the opportunity in a few places. We're going to get into Annie Clark's The Birthday Party. <laughs> and we'll start with saying uh, stuffed cat, Corey. What do you what, what's up with the stuffed cat? <laughs> I thought that it was very awkward. I think that's how like keeping stuffed animals at all. Like I don't care if you have like a moose head on your wall. I think it is very oh. odd. You don't mean stuffed animals. You mean like live animals that were once like, alive. Um, what is that called? Taxidermy. When they taxidermy. Okay, I think that that is the ultimate and creepy. I usually like creepy, but not in that case. I think there are severe attachment issues. Um, but, yeah, that was a little off-putting, yeah, you know, it, first it, thing. It does look like it was a uh, cat that she owned. It was a great tabby. Yeah, it was not. It did not look like a stuffed animal um, that you bought, like, for your kid or something. It looked like a once-living, now-stuffed <laughs> cat. Has glass eyes <laughs> now. Yeah. Um, so, she... Uh, what's the actress's name? Melanie Linsky. Um, her husband apparently has killed himself. She didn't even think he was home, but she finds his body. Um, and she decides, because it's her daughter Lucy's birthday and having a birthday party, that she doesn't have time to call 911 and deal with this. She's got to just hide the body for now, and she'll deal with it later. At least we think she's going to deal with it later. She might be stuffing him. We're not sure if that's what the stuffed cat's supposed <laughs> to tell us. But um, So she's trying to hide him, and it's kind of a funny, like a dark comedy. Um nothing's working nothing's working and it's it's entertaining she ends up making this really weird choice though and puts him in a panda suit that she bought off of a uh like singing telegram happy birthday message for lucy she bought it off the guy for a thousand dollars and a couple of bags of uh, medical marijuana and she puts her dead husband in the panda suit and puts him at the head of the birthday table um while all these kids and their parents show up 
and they're you know celebrating Lucy's birthday. Uh, she's still wearing her pajamas in her bathrobe, by the way, um, that yes. she never took the time to change out of. Everyone kept interrupting her. She just couldn't do what she needed to do. <laughs> ever. No. Well, again, because she made some weird choices. Um, I don't quite know that uh, anything that happened is clear. I, I say if we take the very simple motivation that she wanted her daughter's birthday party to be unaffected by this tragic event, you can maybe... You can't justify it. None of it... No, nothing is rational here. But you can say this woman went crazy because her husband killed himself and she made a bad choice. And I guess that works. <laughs> but, Very insanity. Yeah. But again, there is a stuffed cat. So maybe, maybe <laughs> it goes a, another step further. Um, it ends, Corey, with some text on the screen as like the main punchline to the joke. Uh, I think you wrote it down. Yeah, I loved that so much. I giggled. Um, the memory Lucy suppressed from her seventh birthday that wasn't really her mom's fault and then in parentheses, even though her therapist says it's probably why she fears intimacy. <laughs> and also, let's be real, everything that we've ever heard come from therapists is kind of like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's all, this is why you fear intimacy. This is why blah, 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 it's suppressed. Um, so. Yeah, it, it's a it's quirky. Um, it's definitely got a, an air of comedy that the other three don't have, which kind of makes me question if it fits in the anthology. Um, his... I know it's technically horrific that she's manipulating her dead husband's corpse, but, like, he didn't even die from, like, he killed himself. He, like, it looked like he just popped a bunch of pills, um, which is sad, but I don't know if that qualifies as horror. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's this is marketed as four horror shorts, and I'm like, I don't know if this is true horror. Like, I mean, obviously, yeah. the kids finding the dead body in the panda suit is horrific, <laughs> for sure. I just... I love the scene where you, like, get a close-up of her face, Mel Melanie Linsky's face, and it's just great, like... As everything's falling apart. Just totally disbelief. And then the panda face just smushes right into the frosting on the cake, and the sprinkles are on his face. I just couldn't stop laughing. Yeah, the, I know that's the, the camera work there... Well, no, it's definitely what she was going for. Um, the camera work there is definitely uh, helpful with the visual storytelling, and it's it's... It's definitely, I think, probably the most entertaining one. But it I, was my favorite one. I don't and know I, that it fits the the anthology, though. That's fair enough. Because I was really, I came in looking to be scared, and I think Same. that might be a problem with me in horror movies now. Is that I, I, I actually want to feel scared again, and lately and they I, haven't been. I also feel like I'm just completely desensitized, and it's absolutely, you know, just too hard to scare me, but. You know. I, don't know. I I I still get like I watched uh, Friday the Thirteenth was on the other night, and I decided to just like I, it was almost over already. It was like right when the scene when Kevin Bacon gets stabbed in the neck with an arrow, and um, so I just watched through to the end. Uh, I couldn't turn it off, and I I don't I don't necessarily get scared, but I get I have the the tone of horror. Like I feel scared for them. You know what I mean? Like like I should because I know things are going to happen to them. Especially I've seen this movie. I know what's going to happen to them. And I feel that that mood, you know, like I the movie puts me in that that place of mind where even though I'm not like afraid of it and when it's over, I'm fine. <coughs> I'm still watching it with that anticipation of horror. And that's missing from a lot of modern horror films. Not all lights out. I was I was on the edge of my seat. Like, again, yeah, I, I it had the right tone. And this 
none of these really did that for me. And that's where the next one, I think, really fails. Uh, Don't Fall is the third short. Um, My it, least favorite. It's the shortest. It is the one that has, I think, the most opportunity for, like, horror horror. Because we have, like, a werewolf-type story going on. Where um, I think she cuts her hand on a rock. And that's why she gets infected. Oh. I guess. I... I wasn't sure exactly how that happened, but it's it's those spirits or whatever that used to, uh, like, or I can't remember what kind of people used to um, have that land that they were talking about. Well, th- we see they're standing by the big rock and they see, like, the blood, like, cave drawings on it or whatever. Um, and she, she says, ow. And looks at her hand, and later they say you, sh- you should put some Neosporin on it. So, like, we know she gets cut. And I guess um, that is what triggers her change. And there is, I think they show, like, a full moon or something is going on. Um, and she turns in. I actually thought the monster looked kind of cool, although the camera work uh, never really let you see it. But, like, what? Okay, so you've played Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2. Yeah, the witch. Yeah, that's exactly what she reminded me of. Yeah, I could see that, especially the, the long the, fingers, the yep. screeching, the hunched over running, like I don't know. But um it's very very straightforward. Uh, she turns into a monster and she goes on a killing spree. Um there's no real rhyme or reason to what happens in it. Um Nobody's particularly like evil, so like you're not like, "Oh, well that's what they get for being evil." Like, yeah, he he played a practical joke on her, but like none of it was deserving of like them to die. Um which not that they need to be deserve to die for them to die in a horror movie that's not obviously what i'm saying but it just it felt like hey you want to make a short like a horror movie yeah i'm just gonna do like a monster like okay what's gonna make the monster happen oh she'll cut her hand okay yep that that's it no no other story like there's some conversation but like i didn't feel like it really had anything to do with the lore like no well they were, uh, the whole thing was that they were camping on that, like, sacred ground that they weren't yeah. supposed to be camping on, but I don't know. This was definitely my least favorite. I didn't even realize that it was the shortest one because I just thought it was boring. Maybe it wasn't and I just zoned out, but it, it felt like it was Maybe, the shortest Maybe, I don't know. Because um, I, I remember the dialogue, but I don't remember the dialogue at the same time. Like, I remember them talking and just, like, I didn't care. It felt so inconsequential. You know, what's so funny, though, is that she was the one who was upset that they were staying there, and she wanted to leave, and the others didn't want to leave and pretty much told her she was overreacting, and then, well, she showed them. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is true. <laughs> um, and the last one, I w- I'm going to call Rosemary's Baby Part 2. Ah! John! I have that! I was like, the short <laughs> reminded me too much of Rosemary's Baby, which I haven't seen in a really long time, and I've only seen once, and I definitely need to revisit it at some point, because I didn't give it a chance, but that is all it's reminded me of. Well, especially that her, her ex-husband was an actor, right? And, yeah, he, uh, you know, gave her to the dark side, so yeah. at least we didn't get that scene, you know, no, from Rosemary's yeah, Baby. But, well, um... And- that's kind of the interesting thing about it, though, is because now it's the baby's not a baby. He's turning mm-hmm. 18. So it's, this is what I mean by it's like part two. It's like 18 years have gone by. Rosemary ran away with the baby instead of like succumbing to the group, which I think is how that movie ends. But I've only seen it once. And I'm not having the clearest memory of the ending. I think you see the baby in the yeah. she like she g- gives in. Um, mm-hmm. 
Here, the premise is she ran away from them and took her kid and has been hiding him ever since. And we get the, we get the implications that he something is up for sure. Um, you know, the, we see that he like nailed a squirrel to the, the tree, and then she goes to the school and um, she's finds out that he like ripped some girl's fingernails off like in class. Oh, yeah, you know how I feel about fingernails. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't show that. Um, although they did show clippings. So- yeah, where he had kept the fingernails in a box. Yeah, that was gross. Um, um, and he obviously can, like, control people's minds. Um, either that or they were devout followers. Oh, I didn't think about that. That's. I felt like... I felt like he was, like, controlling them from the way that they were saying <laughs> things until they became, like... Yeah. Kind of personality, no personality, like very. I think that uh, they are for him because they're like, he's a very important person, and then we also special. get Chet, the mailman, who is clearly, <gasps> um, clearly uh, a supporter of him. Like, even kind of hints at him being the Antichrist, which they never say the words, but that's clearly what they're going for—that this is the son of the devil, and it's his 18th birthday, so now he's an adult, and. Um, we have this kind of touching scene at the end where uh, she, she is trying to convince Andy not to turn evil. Um, and they embrace. And he says, I love you, Mom. And clearly is, is choosing to do the right thing, not to be evil. And apparently they're both killed for it. Oh, I didn't understand what happened there. At first, I thought one of them was breaking the other's ribs or something. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know. What That's what happening. I thought, too. But I didn't know who was doing it. And then when they both collapsed, I think that uh, Satan or the demon or whatever we want to say was there. Like, not visibly there, but was, like, in the presence and essentially killed both of them. Okay. I think. And now it's possible maybe he killed both. Maybe Andy killed both of them. Um, I I don't know. And, again, that's where this one had, while it did feel too much like Rosemary's Baby, I thought it was an interesting kind of, like, what if this happened? Um, and I just feel like it wasn't as clear as it could have been at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so overall, I think this, uh, they're all well-made per se. Like they don't have any bit major like technical errors or anything like that. Um, I think they all suffer some element of storytelling, which a, a short film is hard. So I'm not saying like, you know, I expect these to be perfect. Short films is sometimes harder than a regular film because you have to make choices to tell the story efficiently and you can't deviate from that um, very often without it becoming a problem. And I I think that's all of them have some issues. Um, I'm all for not getting all the answers. So I don't feel like that's my issue with any of them. But I do feel like they could have made it maybe a little more clear with some of them. Like, what are you going for? Like, ambiguity does not make it a horror movie because that's I think some people think if you just don't give us information that it's scary and that's not true like not at all like can it be yeah sure definitely ambiguity can cause horror but it's not a default it doesn't yeah yeah necessarily equally yeah I can't talk yeah you Um, you can't just not include information and oh that makes it scary like no that's that's not true that makes it dumb because you couldn't think of anything and this is what you came up with yeah Mm-hmm. So overall, I'm gonna give XX uh, the not a total waste of time rating. Oh my god, me too. 
<coughs> which is disappointing because I really this is my fir- I think one of my first horror anthologies, and I love that it's four women directors. I was really hoping Same. this would be great, um, and it's it's not because they're women, it's just because the movies aren't great. Like they're not the stories that are being told, and that's I kind of was expecting it to be like each movie does take the main character as a female character, but I didn't feel like any of them really had any like social statements being made. You know. Which, honestly, to be, like, 100%, I don't need social commentary in every single one of my movies. Um, no, and agreed. just because it's four women directing these and it's, like, a female project, I don't need that either. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I'm glad they didn't take, like, a preachy approach, I guess. Well, I think I would have rather had one, like, yeah, either go like, real, go not necessarily preachy, but go big on the social commentary, like, metaphor or whatever. Or go big on the horror, and I don't feel like they went big on either. And uh, anything, yeah, yeah. It, it just it felt like you said uh, to start this off lackluster, very uninspired. <laughs> yeah. um, and I wouldn't, besides Melanie Linsky, I wouldn't be very interested in. I don't feel like I'd be interested in necessarily seeing any more of their work, and I feel like that's not fair, especially if they're first time filmmakers. But I don't, you know what I mean? There's nothing there that like, holy heck, I need to see more. Of their work or i'm so interested to see where they go from here yeah and i mean to be fair I, most of the writers are listed as different people than the directors um and mm-hmm. so with that the directors did a competent job visually for the most part assuming that they told the story that was on the page um you know so like there's no major like camera issues or editing issues that I saw in the films. Or bad acting or like Yeah. No, the acting I thought was pretty great. Even the kids in the first one um being very stoic and creepy. I thought they did a really good job. I thought Andy um in the last one was a little bit of an overactor. Um mm-hmm. especially early. I think he got a little better towards the end, but it'll be like the first scene or two, he's very much like that angry like brooding teenager. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the mom a little bit in the very first short, too. Yeah. But I, I couldn't, like you said, it's hard to get a read on what her character is because the dad even yeah. calls her out on, like, why are you so calm about this? And it's like, well, yeah, why is she so calm about this? The kid hasn't ate in three days, and you're just like, oh, he'll get it. Like, no, what is wrong with yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. Especially because they made it sound like it was very abnormal for him not to eat something. Like, the kid's... They make him sound like he was like, I'll eat everything in sight kind of kid. And now he won't eat anything. Like, you would be freaked out if that's all of a sudden happening. Or I feel like any parent, <laughs> if a kid has lost their appetite, I would say after like a day or two, you'd be taking them to the doctor. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, and then the doctor, even like they had this big dramatic moment with the doctor where he's like, I'm going to, you know, I suggest they go to therapy and all this. We don't ever see any of that happen. Like, we don't get reports about the therapy. Like, we get nothing. And I felt like they introduced that whole scene with the doctor for no reason. Like, we don't need to see him at the hospital if there's not going to be anything to come from that. Except, why did you wait so long to bring him in? Yeah, which, that was an important question. And we could have seen that moment and that been it. But for him to, like, tell us the whole therapy thing and let me know if anything doesn't change, you know. Okay, nothing changed. In fact, everybody got sick. Why aren't we seeing this doctor? Why isn't he, like, fighting? Why don't we get, like, a freaking, you know, um, exorcist or something? Like, what's going on that this we just had the scene, this random scene of going to the, the doctor and then it not coming back to pay off at all? That's that, that whole short, there's, like, three scenes like that where we have the scene that seems like it's going to be important, but then it's not. Like, the dream sequence of her being eaten. 
falls off. It's 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 literally there as a as a cool moment because again, if that was where it ended, if that's actually what happened, I'd be like, oh man, that's crazy. Especially with them showing um, the zombie movie, like Night of Living Dead, yeah. and then like they they end up eating her. Like, oh man, that's kind of cool. But no, it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. It's just her having a nightmare <coughs> that doesn't trigger anything. And that's that's what that's not good storytelling in any capacity. So, unfortunately, uh, Corey and I both dislike XX um, for the most part. It's it's not it's not scary. There's no like wow factor. Um, I almost want to say avoid like the plague even because it does feel like well what what's the point of watching it what what because usually when I do not quite not a total waste of time there's something that I'm like this is worth it. This makes the, the hour and 20 minutes. And I can't think of anything other than the second short uh, being kind of funny. So I guess yeah. that's the not quite golden. Yeah. Or not. No, oh, it's not not quite golden. I'm sorry. Not it's a well, I, medication. And I'm in between the two also, <laughs> but I felt like, I don't know. I, I it's don't, not the worst made thing I've ever seen for sure. But again, there's like, you, there's better stuff on Netflix to watch. Yeah. Um, so if you're if you're on the fence, if you haven't watched this yet and you're listening to our review and first, I'm sad I'd that this it. is like kind of this is what we get. Like here is your like horror anthology, like all from women directors and blah blah blah, and then this is what we get was very disappointing to me. Yeah, me too. Because there is a a big a big gap in our um, movie making is there's not a lot of female directors getting big projects and here we have this anthology claiming this so i'm looking for it to be a great showcase and i don't think it is a great showcase and again that doesn't reflect necessarily that they're not great directors i just don't think this is a good showcase for their talents because nothing really stands out none of the stories were fantastic um i mean there's there's some solid stuff and the acting's fine or whatever but it is definitely it's lackluster again to use Corey's word earlier so I think we've said enough about XX. Let's get into our next episode and what we're going to be watching next week. Um, we have not talked about this ahead of time. But <laughs> it's your turn. It is my turn. And the one yeah. I think I want to uh, watch for next week is a film that's been on my list for a while. And it is called Chinatown. Have you ever seen Chinatown? Is that John Carpenter? It's not no. John Carpenter. Um Who's the director? Uh, hang on, because I do know, but it is I'm drawing a blank because my my brain is not. Um, oh, it's a. Tr- it's an older movie. Um, Roman Polanski. It is a Roman Polanski film with Jack oh, Nicholson. Um, Faye Dunaway. Faye Dunaway, uh, John Huston, and um, it's it's one that I've been told time and time again I, that is a must see for film people, and it's one that's it's one of my gaps. I have a lot of movies in the gap, unfortunately. Um, but I recently came across owning this and I was excited. Um, and so I, I think it's a little long. It's, uh, just over two hours. It's one hour, uh, two hours and 10 minutes. Um, but if you're up for this kind of an epic, uh, one that it's going to be basically, um, does it hold up? You know, I'm down. All right, great. So next week, episode 29, I believe we are going to be watching Chinatown. Um, we would love to hear your thoughts on the film. So if you watch it, you can tweet at us. Um, I'm at Burke Reviews or Corey. At Corey R Star, two R's on the end. And you can also tweet using hashtag MC Chinatown. And uh, it's not a rapper. It's movie, movie Club Chinatown. 
And or you can leave a comment on our, our post for this episode, episode 28. You can leave a, a post there telling us your thoughts on Chinatown. And we might read them on the podcast. Um, until next time, uh, watch the movies. Watch, you know, watch anything. If you uh, see anything you think would be a good episode for Movie Club, you can always email us or tweet at us. Tell us a movie you think we should do for the, uh, the show. Um, and, Corey, thank you for uh, giving up another night. Of course. Thank you. All right. Well, we'll be back next week with Chinatown. Bye. Peace. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com. <laughs> <laughs>